coming up next, booking it reads, The Call of the Wild. everybody, and welcome to Bookin'. I'm your humble and eloquent host, Cooper Cobbs. I'm joined today by our three panelists, Matthew Killingsworth. Howdy. Isaiah Rasky. Hi. And Tanner Lewis. Hello. Gents, you know why I'm excited? Why are you excited? Because we are so close to college football season. So, Isaiah, you said off mic that college football is being postponed. Well, that's not true. That's not true. What I heard was that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not having college football seasons. I heard that too. Yes. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I I don't really care that much because it's not the Big Twelve. Fair enough. It's depressing. So, I mean, Tanner, you don't have any teams there though. You're you're a Texas Tech fan, center. Yes, this is true, but still. Any football is important. Oh, he admitted to being a center, guys. Yes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, let's move on. Should we? What do you? What do you guys? We're reading the Call of the Wild. What do you? What, what are you guys' thoughts on the Call of the Wild? I loved all the parts where he, um, all of the bloodshed parts. I know a lot of people are gonna get on to me for this, but I just think it was so very well written. And oh, those it's parts. definitely a well written book. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Isaiah, do you have more to say than yeah? I mean, when I first, like, I remember a while ago, I heard about the book. I totally thought it was, like, just, like, for little kids and all that. Like, didn't have anything, like, what it does is, like, it's got a lot of, like Tanner said, bloodshed. A lot of details about that and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I read this book way too young, but we'll get to that in our baggage. But first, Matthew, what's your opening thoughts? I thought it was a very interesting plot. Because he goes from, like, a bunch of different places and has a bunch of different owners or masters and meets a bunch of different people, and you get to, like... It's it's interesting how it's written because it's not... There's very uh, little, like, conversation, and uh, it's pretty much all in his head, so you get to see a lot of what he's thinking. And it's interesting to see, like, a person's imagination of how a dog, like, how their It's how a dog works. sees, like, you know, the how world. How a dog's mind works, yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. So, Tan, let's start with you. What is your baggage with Call of the Wild? I um, found this book on my bookshelf, and my mom told me it was for school. Therefore, I read it. <laughs> Tanner's story is short. Isaiah, how about you? Well, um, a couple years back, probably, like, five or six years ago, uh, actually, Cooper, your family recommended it to us to read it. Matthew, what about you? I heard about it last week when um, you put out the list, the book list for the podcast, and I saw it, and then I checked the school book list, and it was on there too, and then I had to read it for school last week. So you've never heard of The Call of the Wild till last week? You've never heard of The Call of the Wild before this. You too, Tanner? You've never heard of it before this week? Um, not true. I've actually known about it. I've just never felt... I actually picked it up once, but I... Dude, that's it. It should be in your baggage. Okay, we're starting over. Tanner, get, Tanner, start over your baggage. Go ahead. Whole story. Um, this book was on my bookshelf, 
and my mom told me I was going to have to read it for school one day, so I picked it up, and uh, I read it until about the first chapter, and then I never <laughs> picked it back up again. I read The Call of the Wild by Jack London, then I stopped, and I put it back. This is legitimately what I did, because I did this at about age, uh, I don't know, 9 or 10. Yeah, it's like, I read War and Peace in seven seconds. The title, at least. <laughs> you know? It's kind of one of those moments. It definitely is. Except this book is way smaller than War and Peace. I, I want to see the War and Peace Dover Thrift Edition. The Dover Thrift is like legendary. is like the worst copies of a book you'll ever own because they're so small. And you only had one copy. <laughs> I I hate Dover Thrift, yeah. No, I think I had I think I had a Dover Thrift version of a uh, Secret Garden in seventh grade. Cause it was literally like this. It was it was tough. I don't even think I read all of it. Oh, dude. Yeah. Um. Uh. So we have I have two copies of the Scarlet Letter, which we're gonna read soon for challenge or our school, and one of them is a Dover Thrift edition, and I don't really want to read that. But the other one has footnotes, and it literally has 200 footnotes in the first chapter, and I kept looking down to read every one, despite my, my like, no, Cooper, don't look, and I looked. So I cannot tell which one I'm going to be using, because I tried to read it before school, and I stopped after the first chapter. There we go. See, Tanner? After. <laughs> no, Tanner anyway. stopped before the first chapter. He read the intro. I know, I know. Let's... Like, mm. That's basically what I did. I think I got halfway through the chapter, and then I got bored, and then I put it down. Yeah. Well, this book, I will say, it's not boring, but let me give my baggage another... Speaking of not boring, my baggage isn't boring either. So, I was a little boy, and I was going to Disney World, right? And so, on that Disney World trip, I read three books that I can remember. How did you have time to read when you were going to Disney World? Well, on the plane, the plane, the hotel... The car ride from the... Anyway, we, we flew into Jacksonville and drove down because uh. we had family. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so I read the, Where the Red Fern Grows, which, which we read last year for school, which That's was pretty one. good. Then I read The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, yes, I've read that. I don't think I liked it. I don't I don't remember the story very much. but It's not bad. I, I mean, my opinion. I read it, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Again. Anyway, it wasn't too bad. The movie's so low budget. Mm. Anyway, don't watch the movie. But I also recall the wild on that trip, and I think I had just turned nine. So yes, yeah, so this is I just turned nine, and I read the Call of the Wild. And as a young boy, as only young boys can think, I thought it was a story about a dog who had very mean masters and who ripped out people's throats. And I thought that was kind of cool, but I also kind of realized that I probably was too young to read it. So then I looked at the book list for this year, and I saw The Call of the Wild, and I was kind of happy because I liked it, even though it was a bloodshed story, and I was excited to do it for the podcast. So here we are. Here we are, guys. Anyway, okay. So I didn't have anything to say about the first chapter. What'd you, what do you guys want to say about the first chapter? Um, you kind of you needed it, I guess, for some background. It was just kind of character building, yeah. just so you got to know uh, Buck, the main character, a little bit before... You went into the book? Yep. Yeah, definitely. This chapter is really important, and especially for about the first three quarters of the book, because 
within the first three quarters of the book, Jack London refers so many times back to this specific point of the entire book. That's true. Because he'll say, like, every time he'll refer back to it. Yeah, no, he definitely refers back to this. This kind of reminds me of The Hobbit a little bit, where he's always yeah. thinking about, like, the beginning and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And the whole first chapter of The Hobbit is basically character building. Yes, exactly. Speaking of character, so Buck, he goes through many masters in the course of his book, but his first one, was he really a master? Like, was he just kind of, I don't know, like a responsible for his care, but just kind of... I think Buck kind of saw him as yeah. a commodity. I'm going to be 100% honest. That sounds extremely wrong, but yet, in this book, it's sadly true. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's safe. Free, free food, and you get a cool dog. Yeah. So, do you think that any of the mas- Ms. Masters actually own Buck, though? Or do you think he always belonged to the wild? I think he always belonged to the wild. I mean, he could have run away at any time. So the call was apparent in the beginning? I, I don't think I'd say I mean, that. I think he always belonged in the wild, but it was one of those, like, he didn't know it until he knew it. And then he knew that he had always known it deep down. Yeah, that sounds like kind of like a uh, somebody's story. Like, I wanted to do this, but it didn't work out. Then I became this, and I knew I had it all been, you know, I Hence knew the it should have been this call all along. of the wild. Such a, such a cool title. Wait, that's one word? Yes. He, no. Okay, guys, any more thoughts on the first chapter? Yeah, okay, great great first chapter, yeah. (laughs) So, chapter two, the law of club and fang. What was the law of club and fang? I never really kind of got that. It it wasn't like a strict law. It basically just, it's like a dog's idea of like kind of just everyone's out for themselves. You got to cover for yourself and you can't let... Like, you can't really trust anyone else because anyone could just get mad and fight you for no reason. And, like, all decisions were made over fights. There were no, like, civil decisions. Kind of like that. I would even go as far as to say that's not a dog's point of view. That's just a... um, That's everyone's point of view out there. Like, there is no actual law. It's fend for yourself. Um, every man for himself. Everybody's got to protect themselves. Your rights are your rights, and that's just about it. Yeah, there's no... Back then, there was no definite law. There was no definite law. Like, it was not enforced by anyone. No one would arrest you because you stole. Yeah. Like, you just get yeah. beaten. I kind of think of it as like a... Um, like, it's a dog. I think it is from a dog's point of view. The master has the big club you obey you are bigger than other dog they obey you i think it's kind of like that mm-hmm. yeah talking like a caveman in your head <laughs> i'm sure dogs talk like cavemen if they could talk <laughs> but like i i see what you guys are saying like the lines were blurred up there like there is no law the law is yeah fend for yourself and, and in this chapter he call london calls the moral nature a vain thing and a handicap is this right? Yeah, I think it would be. Um, it's it's definitely not right in God's standards, but it's definitely not. It's not the way that it happens out there. People don't exactly appreciate you for who you are. They yeah. just see you as one more thing to get over. 
at least from Buck's point of view. Yeah. Jose, what about you? Basically, to them, it was do what you have to do to survive and get gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get gold. <laughs> I think it's almost like natural wilderness, like an animal. Like an animal. So, you know, in logic this week, we're talking about the, like, humans. They can think rationally, so we can appreciate beauty and truth and know right from wrong. Like animals have instincts, and their instinct is to kill or be killed. But ours is kind of—we have a moral nature, so we know it's wrong to kill. But like in the wild, you know, in the later book, kind of says he didn't—he didn't really kill unless just for sport. He killed it for food. But honestly, that's not even what it is here. You know, people are just fighting and squabbling over little things. It's definitely. So, you guys are saying that in this scenario, it's a handicap. Yeah, right? from this, um, in this place, in this setting, in this um, grand picture of basically Book. Buck's world that's, it, it, that's going to be for the rest of his life, like, that's, it definitely is. Yeah, it's like walking into the Hunger Games and be like, peace! Let's not kill each other, <laughs> and and then you would get killed. So that's kind of is that is that what happens, guys? Like you're forced into it, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. like when the his master like took him and put him with all the other dogs, especially like Spitz. He was yeah really angry. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness! You guys hear what I hear? Is it the devil's advocacy alarm? Smart man. So. When I initially thought we were going to do this, well, I mean, the devil's out, it just appears randomly. We have no idea. But I thought that we were going to be arguing for the other side, but appears that we are arguing for the other side that I thought we were going to be arguing on. So, does somebody want to actually try and uh, be the advocate for truth and not the devil's advocate? Look, he shouldn't, he shouldn't change his ways and go along with the club and thing, law thing. Because it's not a handicap. It it's having good virtues, and uh, he needs to be a good dog so that masters will like him, and may- then maybe they'll take him back to his old master, where he wanted to be in the first place. And also, he he got there and he learned about the club and fang way of life, and sees how everybody's just beating each other up for no reason, and it's like biggest dog wins type thing. And he meets this one dog named Spitz, who he immediately hates from the first time he sees him. Because as soon as they got to the town, Spitz jumps on his friend, his only friend in the whole world, and kills him right there. And then all the other dogs eat him. That is something that he hates from the first second he sees it. So why on earth should he decide to change and be like those people that he hates, or be like those dogs that he hates? That's my case. Go ahead and shoot the shoot the case down if you want. So, Matthew, you said that if he's a good dog, that. that they'd maybe send him back. That they'd send him back to his uh, old master. No, if he's a good dog, they'd keep him more. If he's a bad dog and causes troubles, that's when they can let him go. No, Isaiah, if he's a bad dog, him. they kill him. A bad dog in this scenario with the club and fang thing is a good dog. Because he's strong enough to go fight people and stuff. So that's when they're going to want to keep him if he's the biggest, strongest dog out there that can fight all of them. But if he's a good dog like he usually is, 
that obeys people and is not ever mean or tough or anything, then they're not going to want him because they only need big, tough dogs. So they're going to want to send him back. If he doesn't fight, though, at all or any of that, then he is going to be killed by the other dogs. But if he fights too much, he's going to be killed. No, he wouldn't because then he shows his dominance. Also, they're dogs. They can't think like this. They're not rational. Don't use logic on me. That's it. The book, the whole book is, like, from a dog's point of view, it's pretty, like, dog calls, like, men's half-breed, a men half-breed. It's pretty cool. Because, you know dogs are pretty smart. Yes, I know, but the dog wouldn't think like that. Like what Matthew said, that would a dog think that if I don't follow all the other dogs and try and survive, that I'll maybe go back to my master? In the book, he does, yeah. He thinks like that. When does he think that? Because he goes to the other dogs. Guys... What you're arguing is that there's a happy medium. So, chapter 3 is the dominant primordial beast. I had to look up primordial. It means, or primordial. How did, okay. Is that how I say it? I have um, no idea. Primordial? I don't know. Primordial? Prim, uh, primordial. 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 Yes, there what he it said. Is. Exactly. Did you look that up, Tanner? You're reaching for your phone when you said that. Um, no, I actually, um, listen to Audible and read the book. Actually, actually, a dictionary just appeared on my bookshelf, and I opened the first page, and there it was, the word we were trying to pronounce. That was convenient. No, not the dictionary, okay, anyway, just the word. word. If, Tanner, if Tanner had a dictionary, it would, it would find it. It means the beginnings. So it means the, the dominant beginnings of a beast. Like, when, when do you think that it started to grow in book, and when do you think it ended? I think it started to grow, like, the first, like, checkpoint, I guess, type thing to me was when uh, he decided, like, he saw his friend get killed right away, right when they arrived, and then he decided that he hated Buck, he and I that mean, he, need, he he learned, or yeah, yeah, he hated Spitz, and he learned from uh, the other guy's mistake. I forgot what the other dog was called. Curly? Curly. Yeah. It's a weird name. Anyway. It's like a, uh, he's like, oh, this is how it's going to be now, is it? I think it's either then or when they first go on the ride, like his first time pulling the sled. Or not first time, like when they go in a long one and he has to stay in the wilderness and all that sleep there. He's learning all this stuff about like being more like to live in the wild. I think that's Mm -hmm. when he starts learning too. And when he started like learning from the other teammates he had, the other uh, sled puller dogs. Yeah, Billy. Like. Yeah, like when he was freezing that first night he was there, and then he saw uh, one of the other ones like digging in the snow to make the little, I guess what do they call burrow. it, a little hole burrow thing, and sleep in it because it's warm underneath the snow. Then then he copied it and figured out how to do it. So. Yeah, and he also learned how to like steal food and actually not go hungry. So I think that the Call of the Wild is definitely woven throughout the book. I think it's really great how he does it, how it's not like a dramatic thing. But Tanner, I think you said in class that it was almost like a, a short story every chapter. Didn't you say that? Yeah, it's kind of like um, The Hobbit, where um, every um, chapter is just this little short story. Not necessarily just because of how um, long it is or how short it is, but just because of how it's set up and how it, he ends it. Like You still need background for it. It's not entirely like independent, just like The Hobbit, but it's independent enough that you could read one chapter one day, and then you could set it down because there's no 
motivation to go to the next one, which is sometimes bad and sometimes good. All depends on what you're trying to get through in your book. Yeah. I think that it would be a great, like, short series, like a seven-part. I think that would be pretty cool. Seven-part? Well, it's seven chapters. Uh, true. Uh, true. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. In this chapter, you know, I mean, I guess throughout the whole book, I mean, you could say that Buck is, he has the bloodlust, right? Would you guys say that? I mean, pretty much everybody in this book has some sort of bloodlust at one point or another. But would you say that this kind of bloodlust is similar to, like, a, a man hunting? I wouldn't think so, no. London compares it. You wouldn't? No, I wouldn't. Because a man hunting, a man could hunt just because he needs food to survive. But for him, he started, like, he didn't have to fight Spitz or oppose him. But he, he just did. got mad at him. Yeah. The bloodlust for him was more out of rage. Yeah, that's what bloodlust is. Yeah. But, like, True. is it a type of bloodlust as to, you know, just a man wanting to get a gun and shoot something? I guess well, you okay, that's lost. totally different than what you just said. You said a man hunting. Hunting an animal isn't with, like, a, for a man doing it. Most of the time isn't because of bloodlust. It's because they want food. Okay, so you say a man hunting, then you say a man getting a gun and shooting something. That's totally different than hunting. Tanner, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so um, I think that... Um, basically, so that, um, chapter, that, um, section on when he's, um, shooting the gun, that's, um, like, the comparison between Buck and the man shooting a gun. For me, personally, this changes throughout people, I believe, just because of how, um, different people can get. I think it's, um, I just think that, for me, at least, I, um, Sometimes I'll just feel, like, really angry, and I need to take it out on something. Sometimes I don't feel really angry, but I still want to take something out on yeah. somebody. <laughs> I, think, I think this can compare to, like, earlier when we were talking about, like, the moral nature. Like, as a Christian, every time you get angry, you'd, everybody, you just want to smash something, you know? It's like, sorry isn't enough. I need to do something, right? But, like, as a Christian, you can't do that because, you know, you've been forgiven. And, you know, anyway, it's just... In, in the wild, they don't have... I guess you could say it is a handicap in this scenario of, you know, these dogs are bloodlusted. If they have a moral nature, then they can't really satisfy that. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's a handicap. I mean, it's just, a, just something to keep in mind, I guess. That's one of the reasons why I don't think it would relate to hunting. Because when you're hunting, you're not angry. Or at least most of the time, you're not. You're doing it because you need to or want to. It's not out of anger. Alright. Well, I think... That we should do some donor shoutouts and then head out of here. What do you guys think? It's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a good time to stop. So, since we recorded the last episode, we've gotten two new donors. I I think we should start it off with the two new ones oh, first. Oh, okay. Do you want to do, do you want to do one of them? So, um, our most recent donor as of Sunday is Vicky Cobbs, who is Cooper's grandmother. Shout out to you, Nana. Love you. Thank you. Donor. And another donor we just got last week is my uncle, uh, Sebi. Thank you, Sebi. Tanner, do you want to do one? Yes, yeah, so um, Lizzie, she has been our longest um, giver right now. So shout out to you, Lizzie. Thanks for your support. And our final one, my grandpa, Van Paps. Um, he's on. Oh, we have one more. Oh, oh yeah, we added one more. Yeah. So we got my grandpa, and then Isaiah has some more. Thanks, Grandpa. Uh, thanks, Van Paps. 
And then thank you uh, to my grandparents. Yeah. Yes. Thank you to all of you guys that we just yeah. mentioned. So if you want a donor shout-out, Isaiah, what would they want to do? They'd have to go to uh, patreon.com forward slash booking it. And then when you're there, you can choose whatever tier you want. And in the underneath the tiers, it tells you what comes with that tier. Exactly. And if you donate any of the levels, you get a donor shout-out. And yes. $10, you get an extra episode per month, which, by the way, was we just released as of this recording today. So it'll be a few days ago when you hear this, but The Giver. So if you want to really hear us talk about The Giver, maybe go to the link that Isaiah said, and we have included in the show description for you, and uh, support us at $10 a month, and you can listen to The Giver. So, yeah, I think you should do that. Yeah, shout out to our um, uh, all of our loyal listeners too for just sticking with us every Thank week. You guys. Yeah. Thank you. We're learning. We're learning slowly we're how learning. to do this. We're learning. And uh, if you if you can't donate for whatever reason, that's okay. But uh, make sh- if you could please take the time to rate and review us. That would go a long way. And you can also check out the book list that we're doing this semester. It's on the same link as the donation. And uh, signing off for now, Matthew. I don't want to goodbye. Yeah. Uh, So you guys just keep on booking it.